Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Health Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Keyes. As most of the country is starting to pick itself up from the impact of COVID-19, and we hope our communities will continue to take action to control the curve, we thought about what does the future look like for healthcare? And one topic that kind of piqued our interest was virtual visits. Virtual visits have almost overnight become a new way to receive medical care for non-emergent medical needs, but are they the new norm? Are they something that both the general public and the medical community are ready to adopt long-term? And these questions uh, we hope to answer today as we explore the impact and benefits of virtual visits with our very special guest, Dr. Angela Nunnery. Dr. Nunnery received her medical degree from the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School in Dallas, Texas, and completed her residency in family medicine at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Upon completion of her residency, Dr. Nunnery served as Associate Professor of Community Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine and then entered into private practice. She currently is in practice in Kingwood, Texas with Baylor St. Luke's Medical Group and a member of the faculty of Baylor College of Medicine. Her passion is the care of patients with hypertension, diabetes, and hyperlipidemia. She is passionate about proper diet and exercise and believes that they are the cornerstone to good health. Dr. Nunnery is a diplomat of the American Board of Family Medicine and is also on clinical faculty at the University of Texas Medical Branch Department of Family Medicine. She currently holds the Office of Chair of Education of the Family Medicine Section of the National Medical Association. She is a member of the Houston Medical Forum and a member and past president of the Mary Susan Moore Medical Society. In addition, Dr. Nunnery has a special interest in the practice of telemedicine. In fact, we specifically sought out her expertise for this episode because she has been instrumental in the implementation of virtual visits across Baylor St. Luke's Medical Group and an important resource for her fellow physicians. Dr. Nunnery, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Kevin. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, and that's quite an intro. All of that stuff is amazing. So tip of the hat to you for all of those uh, accolades. Thank you so much. I'm very excited. I've had a fun medical journey, and I'm so excited about the future. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I know that you kind of listen to some of the episodes, so you probably know that I like to start off the episode with a little bit of, a little bit of a lighter note, kind of like an icebreaker, but I thought I'd stay a little bit on topic with the virtual visits. So um, my first question for you is, have you seen the guy who has been photobombing his wife's virtual work meetings with like funny costumes like Batman and other funny things? Have you seen that guy yet? I have not seen him. Oh my goodness. Tell me about him. So he sits in the back. <laughs> it looks like they're in the kitchen and he sits in the very back he kind of has like a batman suit on and he just sits completely still while his wife is trying to do a, a serious work meeting and and every every single time he has a different costume like spider-man batman or whatever these different ones are but so my, my real question for you is with all of the virtual visits you've done what is the funniest or strangest thing family friendly of course that of something you've seen in, in the background during a virtual visit oh oh that's that's hilarious so i think the the Funniest thing was um, when I first started, I had the sweetest lady who decided that she was going to do her virtual visit in her bedroom, in her bed with her Lucy Ricardo um, bouffant cap on. I was cracking up. <laughs> she she had no intentions of moving. And she had the most beautiful bedroom. She had the fluffy backboard, headboard. It was amazing. But she was absolutely hilarious. And she said, this is my 
Lucy Ricardo cap. Yeah. Uh, that's what it was. So that was the funniest. That was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I'm sure with the virtual visits, you get to see, you know, the the inside of a lot of people's beautiful homes and stuff. But I always figured there's got to be sometimes there's these little stories you're like, man, the cat just walked across that person's head and they didn't even say anything about it. <laughs> so, um, no, I appreciate that. But, well, let's, let's dive in, shall we? So, in your opinion, do you believe that virtual visits are here to stay? Absolutely, yes. As you know, virtual visits have been around for a number of years and I've been practicing telemedicine for a number of years. And I think, of course, as you know, what's brought it to the forefront is that we're here protecting our patients and keeping ourselves and our staff safe in the midst of COVID-19. And this pandemic has really escalated our need as physicians to treat our patients virtually. Yeah. And, and I'm glad to hear that, you know, you kind of think that they're here to stay because I'm sure there's a benefit for a lot of people with them. And if you've been practicing telemedicine for a while, I mean, you've probably seen the benefit before all of this. So, uh, you know, what about in-person visits, though? Do you think that virtual visits will kind of com- completely replace those? The answer is no. Um, virtual visits and in-person visits, I think they really complement each other. Um, for example, I enjoy meeting my patients for the first time as a virtual visit. I find that it's very personable. Um, I know that I can see my patient as a new patient face-to-face and I can concentrate completely on their past medical history, on their medication regimen, um, especially patients who have complex medical histories. It gives me an opportune time to meet the patient face-to-face in their own space. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that they do complement each other really well. You know, I, I work with clients as well. And um, for, for myself, sitting down with a client and learning about them and their goals and what they're trying to achieve, that has to be done, I think, face to face. It's just a way to um, build trust and build a rapport. And I think that that is critical, especially if moving forward, it becomes a virtual visit. Um, they know that I've got their back. So yeah, I think you're totally right. They totally complement each other hundred percent. So can you give some of the pros of virtual visits? Well, I think the, for me as a physician, I think the, the number one pro of a virtual visit is that I'm available to my patients. For me, in order to give quality care to my patients, and I'm board certified in family medicine. I enjoy the entire family and I like being very flexible um, and helping helping my patients get through their care gaps. And I may have a patient who has elevated blood pressure and I need to see them, but they're working and they're at, all they have is their lunchtime and they don't have time to drive all the way here to see me. So I can meet my patient exactly where they are in their office or in their home and and take cut down some of that time. So for me, I really, really like the fact that I'm available for my patient at wherever they're at, wherever they are. Yeah. Again, kind of going back to my, you know, work with, with clients is convenience is, is critical. It's huge. If you're trying to get um, some type of behavior change, convenience, right? So yes. uh, the convenience of virtual visits, yeah, it can be instrumental in the, the the care that you can provide people. And maybe, you know, hey, I don't really want to make the drive to 30 minutes to go down and see the doctor, but I will make the phone call. And that could that could be a big difference to going to see the doctor in general, right? So um, yeah, I think it's, I think you're right. Yeah. 
What about the cons, though? I mean, conversely, um, I'm sure that there are some cons that are there as well. I think, um, and of course, I'm a fluffy family physician. I think that the biggest con is that, and you've seen this, you, you've experienced a lot of the differences in the pandemic, is the personal touch. I can't, I can't hug you and I can't shake your hand. And for some people, that is a level of separation. So that, to me, that's the biggest con. Yeah, kind of feeling a little bit disconnected because it's not, like you said, it's not, you know, in person or maybe like you said, even the personal touch, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, touching a little bit on the on the specifics of virtual visits, I mean, is there anybody that should consider them over an in-person visit um, when, when both are definitely a viable option? Yeah, um, when I first started practicing telemedicine, one of the, my kids were away in college. And I started thinking about how I could stay connected to my patients who were away and my patients who were traveling. One of the biggest patient populations at that time for me were my college student patients who were away, um, who needed ongoing medical care and really didn't want to go to student health. So, or the patient who's traveling for business and needs to check back in with me and can't get back in town. That's one of the, the big patient populations. Busy working moms. I'm driving my kid back and forth to their activities when school gets back in session and balancing um, work and home life or even stay-at-home moms who are balancing um, their kids or they can't bring their kids to the doctor's appointment, but they can let their kids play while they see me. Those patients. And, you know, the, one of the 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 most unique, honestly, patient experiences that I've had is the care of my elderly patients. Right. And especially during the pandemic, as you know, they're at highest risk for contracting disease and illness here. And they're also the most fearful to come out of their homes. And I feel that it's been awesome to be able to deliver services with my medical care virtually to their homes. And many have their kids with them that can help them navigate through the technology. And, and uh, I think the biggest unique thing in seeing them in their homes and is their happiness that, that they didn't have to leave, right. calming their fears of that. But also, I can also look at obstacles that they may have. Is it how easy is it for them to get out of the bed to the chair? How easy is it for them to ambulate to the, to the um, kitchen? So it's really, it's really been a very, uh, actually very unique experience and um, very gratifying. Yeah, some of that stuff you wouldn't see if they just came into the office, right? So that's exactly, exactly. That's, that's cool. What what kind of conditions or services do you feel is ideal for virtual visits? Well, there are a lot of them, and um, some common things are treatment of allergies. Treatment of rashes, you can see a rash on a camera. For me in family medicine, the management of diabetes, hypertension, elevated cholesterol. For our, our surgical colleagues, a lot of the preoperative visits can be um, managed virtually. Consultations for wellness services like um, smoking cessation, um, something that you've just mentioned, exercise prescriptions, weight management, sure. diet and exercise. Those are huge. 
I guess one of the, the biggest conditions, the most popular things that are the most common things that I take care of virtually um, is really the treatment of anxiety and depression. Um, that's very, very common. And I think that that's because this, the topic is so sensitive. Mental health issues are so personal and just making the appointment for that, just checking in at a front desk, just sharing that with my medical assistant before I see the patient, that's, that takes a lot to yeah. talk about. And I find that by meeting a patient where they are in their home, in a safe environment, that they're able to share more and, and we're able to communicate at a, at a different level. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a good friend of mine, um, who, who does, who does that. He's, um, a psychologist or a counselor, or I, I, I can't remember exact his, his exact title, but, um, that's exactly what he does. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm in being his, in his friend and kind of learning some of what he does, it's become something that, I am somewhat passionate about as well. I, I do believe that mental health in this country needs a little bit more attention. And his his story, the stuff that he talks about, about how people are more open to sharing that is is awesome When whenever it's maybe telephonic, right? They can pick up their phone, convenience again, right? They can pick up their phone, call someone, and not and, and be in the safety of their own home and um, and really open up about the things they need help with. So totally, that's a great population that you're kind of speaking about there. Uh, so what are some conditions or services that require, though, maybe like an in-person visit? So that's pretty easy. You know, Kevin, if if I have to use a stethoscope to examine you, listen to your heart or lungs, then I need to see you here in the office. Or if I need to examine you with my hands, I need to I need to feel the bump. I need to I need to touch you to see what's going on with you then I really, really need you to come into the office. You know, a lot of things like pain, it's very hard to evaluate pain in two two dimensions. And if you have abdominal pain, severe back pain or fever, or for example, if you feel numb on one side or you feel numbness and tingling in your hands or feet, that's something that we really need to see live and in person. And our team is here and they are our um, appointment team. They understand that and they are they know what conditions um, require our face to face in office live treatment. Of course, if you have an emergency such as chest pain or shortness of breath, anything that you're going to dial 911 for, you need to continue to dial 911. Right. Right. You know, I'm asking all of this and my dad just um, stepped off a curb the other day and um, he ended up getting a avulsion fracture of his fifth metatarsal. Um, so, wow. yeah, but he knows that I've taken biomechanics of musculoskeletal injury and stuff like that. And he kind of knows that this is my background is in. And so he calls me, he FaceTimes me. He's like, Hey, um, do you think I need to go to the ER? And I'm like, well, there's no way for me to touch it or feel it. And so I kind of sympathize with what you're talking about here. It's like, I can't put my stethoscope on, on you. I can't ask or touch or feel some of the questions that I'd like to do. So I totally understand what you're saying. After he, after my dad calls That's me at midnight and says, hey, example. I stepped off a curve. That's an excellent example. Yeah. 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 So I kind of want to touch a little bit on, on uh, COVID-19. Do you anticipate another spike in the COVID-19 cases? Well, you know, there are a lot of scenarios out there that are predicting a spike. 
And, you know, the answer is we don't know 100%, but we do know that we need to be prepared. The, the question is, will that happen? When will that happen? If it'll happen and will it happen in the fall or winter because of the cold weather? And what are we about to see? So I don't know about you, Kevin, but I was a scout and I was taught as a kid to be prepared. And we've got to be prepared. You, as you know, it's pretty fair to say that we were hit suddenly when we were told the county was going to shut down. And many of us were caught off guard and we were suddenly told we had to be in self-isolation. And then there was panic and our patients were the most panicked. Our offices uh, were inundated with phone calls on patients who were very fearful to leave their homes, but still needed their medical conditions taken right. care of. So we've got to be ready for that. Well, how can patients prepare for a potential spike in cases? What are some things that, that patients can do? I mean, on our end, the hospitals, we've, we've tried to, to think of some, some things here in the future, but what, what can a patient do? Well, one of the biggest things is that we are looking at our lessons learned from the last couple of months, um, and we're welcoming patient, patients into our offices right now. Offices are very safe. Our staff is following state and national guidelines for, the, for safety in our clinics. We're practicing, of course, social distancing in our clinics. We're spacing out appointments so that our waiting rooms aren't full. Of course, we have standards for cleaning the exam rooms, just like the hospital. And our patients um, are being encouraged to come into the office now. Many patients may have canceled appointments with the fear and not call their physician back to reschedule. And some necessary exams may be missing, including laboratory exams, radiographic exams, like mammography, or their yearly physical exam. So it's really, really important that right now, patients reach out to their physicians in all specialties to be seen now. Yeah. And you know, what we're like to do in follow-up is we're giving patients our, their follow-up visits when they come in, both virtually and live for the fall so that everything, so that we can be prepared. And we're trying to get exams done that we think need to be done right now. You know, it's really important, Kevin, one of the things you just mentioned, your dad stepping off the curb. There are more medical conditions out there than just COVID-19. Right. And it's really important that as, as, a, as a patient, that the patient doesn't let fear over, overcome them. We're here. We're still your doctor that's been your doctor all this time. Um, we, we value you putting your trust in us. And we want to keep ourselves safe and we want to keep you safe and we want to keep our staff safe. So we're, we're not going to sacrifice you guys or your health. Um, and we want to be able to continue to take care of you. Yeah. And I reiterated that to him. You know, I said, I don't think you need to go to the ER, but make an appointment, go in, see the physician. You know, they're going to they're going to vet you through a phone call. They might even do a virtual visit. They might do something to to kind of see what's going on. But really, at the end of the day, it's safe. You should go, you know, um, listen to all the things they're going to tell you. If it's social distancing, wear a mask, whatever. Don't touch your face, right? Don't touch your face. Wash your hands like Dr. Sims. <laughs> um, but but definitely, um, you know, that was something that uh, I, I reiterated to him because it, it is safe. It's, it's good to be able to go have access to the things if we need to do in person still. Um, okay, so... 
Is it likely that COVID-19 cases will increase in the kind of colder fall, winter months? You kind of mentioned that, and I guess really my my own personal curiosity is, is why or why not? So the COVID virus is a COVID virus. So there are other COVID viruses, and they have followed that pathway. And I think that that is why some of the scenarios that you're seeing through multi- multiple healthcare providers and researchers show that we might see an increase. As far as 100% why, we will know more as the months progress and as research continues. And again, I think the biggest thing is for us to be prepared for it, if it does happen. Yeah, definitely. Well, so I always like to finish the interviews the way that I start them with a little bit of fun, uh, which honestly, I think, you know, we can all probably use a prescription given the times that we are in right now. So, this, this time, we're going to test your Disney knowledge by asking three random questions about Disney characters and see if you can get them right. Are you ready for that? Oh, my goodness, yes. Okay. So uh, I have three. I have easy, moderate, and difficult. So easy question first. What is the name of Donald Duck's female companion? Daisy Duck. Good. Okay. Moderate difficulty. What is the uh-huh. name of the main character in Nightmare Before Christmas? Good one. Well, Johnny Depp was the live voice. That's about the best I can do. You're close. I can tell you what he looks like. Oh, yeah. Jack Skellington. Jack Skellington. It's okay. Oh, my goodness. This is a hard difficulty. I had to look this one up because I've always heard this question and I never really knew the answer to it. Is Goofy a wolf or a dog? Oh, Goofy's a dog. He's a dog. Okay. I've always thought he was a wolf because whenever he falls down, he goes, you know, or whatever that noise that he makes, that Goofy makes. But he is an anthropomorphic dog. And my argument to that always was, well, Pluto's a dog. So what's going on here? <laughs> um, I, I came up with these questions after um, I'm trying to write this podcast and I see my son watching, you know, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And I thought, well, let's do some Disney ones. So, well, oh, that's hilarious. That was really good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked it. So, well, you know, thank you so much, Dr. Nunnery, for being here today and, and doing this. It was a lot of fun. And I think the, the, both the general public and the medical community will really benefit from virtual visits moving forward. And, and the information you provided today is, is, is really good. So, but before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to say? I think I really want to say that I want everyone to know that our team of physicians and nurse practitioners and physician assistants, we've been very excited to add telemedicine to our practices. Um, We just thoroughly enjoy working together with our medical teams and working together to provide care for our patients in their homes and offices. I have had the most fun being welcomed into the homes of my families. And I really considered it an honor. I've seen wedding pictures from 1970. I've I've been taking on tours of the remodel since Hurricane Harvey in some of the patients' homes, I've just had just a a joyful time. And it's a privilege that we don't take lightly. We know that it's a big deal for us to come into your home. And I just want to tell my patients, thank you. I think that um, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to care for my patients, both live and virtually. And I just want to send a big shout out thanks to my patients and all, all of our BSLMG patients for all of our providers. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, thank you again, and thank you, listeners. Uh, Stay tuned. We have more episodes coming. All right? Thanks. Thanks.